What is up, everyone? It is Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, and you know what that means? Another edition of the Buffalo Blitz right here on the Built-In Buffalo Network. I am your host, Peter DiBiase, nicknamed Dr. Z, given to me by Brian from Breaking Tables. So, Brian, if you're listening and or watching, I put the name up just, just for you. Just for you guys, this is uh, Built in Buffalo, Buffalo Blitz on Facebook, on YouTube, and Twitter. Smash the like, hit the love button on Facebook. There's a love button and a like button on Facebook, which is something special. Comment section is open. As always, we'll be answering your questions, all that fun stuff, your comments. As by the title, by the thumbnail, we'll be breaking down some of the some of the headlines that are going into training camp. Training camp is just a couple of weeks away, and it's coming Coming upon us, so there's a ton of headlines uh, throughout the offense, throughout the defense, coaching staff, front office. So we got like four or five headlines tonight that we'll be breaking down. And tonight, we were supposed to have Ryan Talbot, but no worries, no worries. We always rebound. We're bringing on my man, man, Anthony, the sauce god from the sit-down on Friday nights, part of Built in Buffalo. Man, how you doing tonight, man? Peter, I'm just excited to talk Bills football. Shout out to everybody in the comments that like and share. If you haven't done so already, yes, excited to be here, buddy. Big shoes coming in for filling for Ryan Talbot, but you know what? You know what? It's it's nothing you can't handle, right? I mean, I wear a size twelve. We'll see how far that takes me. Yeah, I know. I promised last week, guys. Ryan Talbot on, but you know what? In this business or in this fun stuff, stuff people cancel. It wasn't like him canceling. It's just he had another thing. So no worries, no hate towards Ryan Talbot. Um, he will be back on in the middle of August, so even right before the season. So that is awesome. I see you in the comments, Jim. Let's go, Buffalo. Facebook user, that's a name. Hit that like and share. Let's go, Bills Mafia. Don't have a name, but I appreciate it. Um, let's go, Buffalo. And what's up, Jim? Hope you're having a good night. Guys, comment section is open. The likes are always open. We will be reading comments all night. We'll go back to nine, do about nine to nine fifteen. So, Anthony, let's 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 break down some Buffalo Bills, some key topics heading into training camp because that is why we are here tonight. So, First one, and we'll start with you. Should we be concerned with the cornerback room without Trey White regarding, obviously, his injury? And we don't know the exact timetable of his return. Well, first of all, Bill's Mafia, it's got to be a little exciting that we're getting that much closer to the start of the regular season. I think we're 57 days till kickoff. So let's start with the hype there a little bit. But at the moment, I don't know if we should be concerned because, yes, we we, addre- we addressed the position in the draft with Kyrie Alam. Of course, the departure of Levi Wallace is a little bit of a tough loss because we saw the way that Bill's secondary played, even in the absence of Tredavious White. And I still want to say, you know, we still have Jordan Poyer back there. Still Mike Micah Hyde is back there. Dane Jackson is going to compete with Kyrie Alam in that cornerback two slot anyway. So I'd like to kind of see the competition. But I do say... I know that Tredavious White's recovery right now has been looking pretty solid, but you don't want to rush anything coming back from an ACL injury. I think if it's maybe for one or two or three weeks even, you do what you have to do. You're going to have some tough games in that first stretch of the season, but you want to have Tredavious White, especially in the middle half and the uh, the end of the regular season. The biggest thing with – I agree, obviously, you want Trey White toward down, down the stretch. Obviously, we missed him in the playoffs. And obviously that could have a direct that had a direct effect on the absence in the division round or the early exit in the division round. The problem with the Trey White, it's also less of us knowing when he's coming back. Like there's no like we don't have like, oh, you know what? He's coming back week four. Like we don't have like a good timetable. There's still such an unknown. So I think when the concern is in the sense that, like you're right, you said the schedule's a little a little dicey in the beginning of the year in the sense that facing some tough teams. Like the Rams have one of the best offenses. Obviously, the Titans are different than last year, 
But you face the Dolphins week three that just added Tyreek Hill. That's another weapon. The Ravens are annoying to face with Lamar Jackson. And then you get the Chiefs after Pittsburgh. So first couple of games, like the first game of the year, you got Cooper Cup and you got Allen Robinson. That's a those aren't some easy guys to cover. Titans a little easier. And obviously we gotta see what Tyreek Hills with the Dolphins. But the thing with Trey White is you would obviously you don't want to rush him back. Like I I, I agree with you, Anthony. Like you rush him back and then he gets injured or he's not the same, then it's not it you're just in a worse position than you were before. The biggest thing is who steps up behind basically Dane Jackson and Kyrie Elam, right? Like who's that third corner? That's not Taron Johnson because I know he's a slot corner, so he's slotted in. Who's that third outside corner, right? When Trey White comes back, I trust Dane Jackson, and I expect Kyrie Elam to be a very good corner. First round pick, I think I have high expectations for him. What do you expect? Like who's that third corner after that, after Kyrie Elam and Dane Jackson without Trey White? Is it? I'm looking at the depth chart right now. It, it could be Christian Benford, the rookie from. Well, you know something Villanova. too. Let's let's not forget that the addition of Von Miller might make it a little bit easier for those exactly. defensive backs pass, too. Increase of the pass rush should mm-hmm. help. it should in essence because what, what what's the term? Secondary's best friend is an elite pass rush because right. obviously quarterback sitting back there for a year and a half like there's not there's no way the secondary can guard their man for. Said Especially in a man coverage scheme, nah, you, you're going to lose sight of your guy after about five seconds. You know what I mean? That's why guys that extend the play are guys that are tough to defend in the secondary. Yeah. But the good thing with the Bills, they do run a lot of man, uh, not man coverage, uh, zone coverage. Like they're a big zone coverage team, which could help Kyu um kind of slowly develop because you have Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer back there to help you, and which is that's a huge thing too. You have Micah mm-hmm. Hyde and Jordan Poyer, the best safety duos. One first team All Pro last year, the other second team All Pro, so you have that. But like the concern is, I think just one the depth after Trey White, like who's that third corner, and you're just not having Trey White, who's an elite elite corner, which is just um that's something I want to bring up what Lone Wolf said. If Trey isn't ready for Week One, do you think they'll try to sign a vet cornerback? I've always thought they would bring in. I don't know about your thoughts. Always thought they would bring in another corner i still think they could but as the weeks go on and progress the less it's less likely they do you you would assume so right or are they just waiting for training camp i i don't think that if they haven't brought one in at this point of the season that unless something major happens in the regular season or preseason or something like that i just don't see them doing it i think you're hoping that guys like Dane Jackson and Kyer Alam really do step up, but like you said, what if what if for some reason it takes longer for Tre'Davious White to come back? Well, we we can't exactly put that much pressure on a rookie first round defensive back. So at that point, maybe, but right now I don't see it happening. There's somebody that's still in the market that I think a lot of people uh, and Bills fans included. Joe Hayden is still just going to bring him up. Uh, he's still on the free agent market. Obviously, he could be waiting for maybe some guy to get injured in training camp, certain situation, all that stuff. He's not a bad option. Look, it's not like there's elite corners just sitting on on the free agent market. I think the Bills rather have Dane Jackson and Kyle on. The difference is like after that, like you're relying on Christian Bedford, Elijah Griffin, uh, Josh Thomas could be an option. Those are the guys, Nick McLeod, Cam Lewis, who I like a lot, but those guys are borderline practice squad barely 53-man roster, guys. It's not like they're anything to lose your mind about. So I think if you're the Bills, you want to 
be careful with Trey White because you just don't want to obviously rush the injury back, but you also want to make sure that Kyrie Lam and Day Jackson develop because Kyrie Lam's coming in and he's gonna be a rookie. He's gonna be asked a lot to do a lot in his rookie year, and a lot of first round picks sometimes aren't. Like it takes a little while to develop. Are we are we concerned about that, Anthony? Like Kyrie Lam not developing right away? No, not at all, because I, I, 2017, we saw it happen with Tredavious White. He came out and he played like an all-pro caliber defensive yeah. back, finishing second to Marshawn Lattimore for NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. But it's here's another free agent, by the way, that we didn't even mention, who's had tons of success. He's he's 30 years old, but A.J. Bowie, I believe yeah. you say his last name. Yeah, he's still, he's still available on the market, too. So, I mean, you know, if you get a guy like that on a veteran minimum – especially for what the Super Bowl aspirations that exist with this team are, you might have to put a little bit in there. I think Kyrie Alam is going to develop. I think that Tredavious White is one of the few guys uh, in the league that can still impact this team even without playing. I mean, he's a leader on and off the field, and that's something that I love to see from a guy like that that is truly the best, probably the best defensive player that we have on the field. Um it's it's always good to see that leadership continue, even if he's unable to play. Yeah, I agree. And Jim, coming in, if we can get after the quarterback and our two safeties, we should be fine. We both, I think, agreed. You alluded to that, Anthony, with the the pass rush, and I alluded to that with the safeties. I think that is a huge correlation, and maybe stopping the run will help as well. Just a whole correlation of up front getting better helps develop, obviously, a young Dane Jackson because he's not old; he's a young Dane Jackson, and then the rookie Kyrie Lam. But obviously, you want you want um, you want Trey White to come back, obviously. Yeah. This team is a different different quality of team, and you just saw last year with the Chiefs divisional round. This team is a different quality team with Trey White than when they're without. And obviously, that's for any team that has that caliber of a corner. That it just you take away the other teams' number one weapons, and it makes it so much easier for one the pass rush, one Dane Jackson, Kyrie Lam. And then it can slowly develop, and then it's just easier. So obviously, we want Trey White back. Some people think like Chris God. Have you? Did you see this, Anthony? Chris Godwin. There's that Schefter thing. Was it two days ago? Three days ago? He said that the report was that he'll be ready for Week One, and he tore his ACL after Trey White. Obviously, every every ACL recovery is different. All that fun stuff. It's all different. There's no like obviously the same one. Every everybody's different at that point. But it gave me a little like, ooh, I'm not saying he should be back week one, but it also gave me like technology's advancing with 2022. Like, we're not, this is not 2010, where if you tore your ACL, you're just like, well, there goes my career. Well, you see, even guys in the NBA that like, like Derrick Rose was out for how many years, right? In the NBA. But never now you got guys that are coming back. back. They're coming back after going out mid, you know, mid season and then they come back at the start of the next regular and season. So, Achilles in, yeah, in summer and came back before. During the playoffs, like that was, exactly. I know Achilles and ACLs are different, but the modern technology and the ability to rehab is so different. That's Which crazy, though. Chris Godwin is going to be ready. I mean, that was a like you said, it might change. You know, stuff changes and all that. Fun but stuff. like you said, too, every ACL injury truly is different versus, yeah. but but like them, Ben, every character is different, right? So how do you rehab and how is your mentality? Like a guy like Adrian Peterson blew out, he completely blew his knee out, and then comes back and wins NFL MVP in the following season. So Tre'Davious White is one of those guys that's a warrior. He's going to be fighting to get back on the field, and he knows with this team has at stake. So I think that when that's when that's said, 
that's all Tredavious White needs, and he's going to come back with a, a full, clean slate of health, and I think hopefully be start of the regular season. Yeah. Izzy, guys, Red Zone Report on Sundays. Another member of the Built in Buffalo Network, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. He says he feels good about our D-Room. Check out the Red Zone Report this Sunday. It's DB Day. He goes every Sunday. I don't know how many more he has. I don't know what a point he is, but he's breaking down each position group. So if you missed any of his, go check it out. Podcast form, all that fun stuff. But if you want to check out DB Room, he'll break down every single DB in this in on the team, like in in depth. So if you want super in depth, check out the Red Zone Report right where you're watching this now on Sunday. Um, Ravens are donezo. <laughs> I expect the Ravens to actually have a bounce back year, so I might I might uh I might disagree on that one. Um, depends. Oh yeah, the pup list is very interesting with Trey White. Do they put him on the pup list, which is what is it? Four games they miss. I think pup, pup or six games you miss. I think it's tough. It's tough. With I think it's four or six. I'm reading the comment section. We'll back this up here. Um, is he one? The four the six reserve is three now, right? Yeah. Is give me is give me down below the pup list. I don't have to go to Google Map. Appreciate it. Um, and Xavier is he's right. Xavier Rhodes is a free agent, Anthony. Like that's another veteran option, right? Like these, like AJ Boyer, Joe Hayden, Xavier Rhodes. They're not like flashy guys, but they've been there and they've done that in the NFL, and they give you a veteran presence. So if you really, really need it, there's something there. And yeah, Lone Wolf, I agree, man. If Trey White can come back like AP did, Anthony just mentioned AP about coming back. It's six AP. weeks, by the way. It is six Pop weeks. Right six about that. Yeah, that's not fun. We don't want that. That's scary. That's very scary. Maybe the Bills take him into training camp and see. Look, we have sick. We're, you know what? We're going to put him on a pup list. And then, then you bring in the veteran corner. I mean, you know, like, there's probably a couple guys like Xavier Roach, AJ Boyer, Joe Hayden. There's probably a couple more. Those type of guys that are going to still be there in training camp. Like, there's not. I don't think there's a rush to go sign them. If the Bills are like, you know what? We're going to have to put White on the pup list. You you have to go get a veteran corner. Mm-hmm. I think you agree with that. If White White's on the yeah. pup list, I feel like. That's six games. I, that's, uh, I think that at that point, you, you definitely need to – you have to supplement that position somehow, and obviously you can't have a second draft. So I think that at that point, you know, it, it depends who you would want. I think that all those guys, when it's said and done, would probably be willing to take, like I said, the one-year veteran yeah. minimum tight deal because they've already been paid. They want to play for a contending team, especially a team like Buffalo, which is popping. So I think at that point it would be very possible. <laughs> Obviously, Brandon Bean, he's a genius when it comes to contracts. So I would see something like that definitely getting done if – Tredavious White was on the pup list. Like that's a big, obviously, what yeah. if, which we we're hoping and praying for. No, we that'd be the that might be the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. That I that the realistic worst case scenario. What's up, Dan Kelly, guys? Conflict of interest every Tuesday. Of course, it's the Buffalo Blitz. No, no place you'd rather be on a Wednesday night. Um, David Reed's coming. I think they're gonna wait to see who gets cut from other teams before they bring in a corner. That could be an option. There's a couple guys maybe they think they could get cut from other respective teams. That could totally be an option. But yeah. Um, the cornerback situations, or it's ma- mainly the Trey White situations, is something to monitor. Because if he comes back week one, then there's no need to bring a veteran corner. And you already got incredible depth at the corner position, back position. But if he's not fully healthy or he's on the pup list or anything like that in between, then a veteran corner is not the worst option in the world. Moving on to the offensive side of the ball, as we keep down our headlines list, Gabe Davis can Gabe Davis take the next step and become that number two wide receiver, Anthony. What are your thoughts on that? So uh, I spoke a little bit about this. Um, 
I, I, I fully, I fully believe that he can. I think that it's tough to, I mean, what is the production from the number two receiver going to necessarily be? I think that he definitely is going to step into that role with the absence of uh, Cole Beasley, obviously, and Emmanuel Sanders. Of course, you still have Isaiah McKenzie, Jamison Crowder now um, arguing for snaps, but I think that Gabe Davis is easily going to slide into that number two role. I think he has proven his chemistry with Josh Allen is truly is truly existent, and it has been since his rookie season. And Gabe Davis likes to step up in the moments that it matters most. Gabe Davis is going to be due to get paid soon. It's always you got to remember it's a business. You can't always be upset with a player who's playing to get paid because he deserves to get paid. I think Gabe Davis is going to slide in very easily, but I also believe. Gabriel Davis will have over a thousand yards receiving this season. The thing with Gabe Davis, I'm looking at I got on my screen his stat production from year 2020 rookie year from 2021 second year, right? 16 games played in each game each season, right? Obviously, he missed one this past year. He had 35 receptions each year. That's kind of wild that he had 35 receptions each year. He was targeted in 2020 62 times. He was targeted in 2021 63 times. He averaged. 2.2 receptions per game each year. So he's just like modeling his stats. 599 yards. His first year was seven touchdowns, 17, uh, 17 yards per catch. And then this past year, 800, uh, 549 yards with six touchdowns. So he's been, he had a very, he was very solid his first two years. Where you want to see that next step is from the 800 to maybe 1100 stat mark. I think that's the next step couple of more yards, maybe nine to 10 touchdowns because I don't expect him to get only two receptions per game. Cause he averaged 2.2 receptions each game. I don't think it's what the divisional round was. Cause that was wild. I don't think it's four touchdowns per game or that many receptions, all that fun stuff. But once Gabe Davis shows that he could be a threat one, it opens it up more for Stefan Diggs. And it just makes everything easier for Gabe Davis to two tight end set with Dawson Knox, OJ Howard, James Cook bringing in the, the amount of weapons that the Bills have will help every single other weapon that the Bills have. It's just like a correlation effect, which is a great thing. I expect Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis to slide into the second wide receiver role. I don't think he has a, really a choice, right? Like there's no other boundary wide receiver the Bills have outside Diggs and Davis. Like you have... You have Isaiah McKenzie, who's going to be in the slot outside, then move Isaiah McKenzie around. You have Jameson Crowder, who's the Cole Beasley replacement. He's a slot receiver. You And then you have Khalil Shakir, who projects to be more of an inside receiver, could play the outside, but he's a fifth-round pick, who I loved coming out of college, but he's a rookie. Outside of Gabe Davis, Anthony, and outside of Stefan Diggs, who's your who's your boundary receiver? Marquez, so, Kumaro? I, I mean, tr- well, no, truly, no we, we got we to gotta really look – and, you know, he's not a receiver. He's obviously a tight end, but who's going to steal a lot of the attention this year is going to be Dawson Knox, which he's also he's due for a contract as well soon. So I, that's where I wonder about the production a number two receiver would get, especially with a guy like Stephon Diggs at number one. And then you got Dawson Knox, OJ Howard, two pretty solid tight ends. But I think. Jamison Crowder, I think, is honestly going to surprise some people this year, I think. Isaiah McKenzie's got already proven chemistry with Josh Allen, but I think Jamison Crowder has never really gotten a chance to really shine with a true elite quarterback like Josh Allen. So I really think that even though he'll be playing at the slot receiver position, 
I think you got your guys, Stefan at one, you got Gabe Davis at two. And I think you're going to see Jamison Crowder kind of take more of the slot role and Isaiah yeah. McKenzie kind of take on the exactly. same role he had last year. You know what I mean? Which is kind of like the do everything the, the, guy. Do everything guy, but it, it's going to be tough to command production from an offense that's got so many people on it and so many different weapons. Yeah, and I think when it comes to the second wide receiver for the Bills, like obviously Diggs is going to have them obviously get the def- – um, Get the my brain just have a meltdown. He's gonna get the coverage by the secondary on the other team because like he's the main focus because obviously Stefan Diggs is one of the best receivers in the NFL. So that will open up for Gabe Davis. Like he literally did in the AFC a division round against the Chiefs with the four touchdown game. I think Gabe Davis, like I agree with um Lone Wolf here, two second receiver should account for a minimum eight hundred yards. I think Gabe Davis, if he breaks eight hundred and nine hundred yards, I think that's a very productive year for a number two receiver. And I don't think I think that'd be a great year. And you remember Cole Beasley as basically he was the number two receiver two years ago with um, Stefan Diggs. He had over, over 900 yards. Yeah, second so, team all pro too. Yeah, so it can be done. And I think Gabe Davis would be more productive than Cole Beasley. I think he has mm-hmm. more potential to be more productive. I think maybe Cole Beasley is a little more reliable probably than Gabe Davis at, the, at his point in his career uh, two years ago. But I think Gabe Davis has that chance to 850 to 950. Jim's coming in with 10 touchdowns, 900 yards. I, I would if somebody's like Peter, I, Gabe Davis has 900 yards and 10 touchdowns. I, I would sign up for that. Would you sign up for that tomorrow, Anthony? Yeah, I mean that especially the 10 touch. That's the thing that I really liked about Gabe Davis, especially in his rookie season, was he was leading the Bills in touchdown receptions for over the first half he, of the season. He finished obviously, yeah, and 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 he finished I think second on the team, I believe it was right, but yeah. but still he's. And, and let's not forget this. He has played well in the moments that it matters the most. Like I said, obviously, we could talk about the divisional round last season with eight catches and over 200 yards and four touchdowns. But think back to even the previous season, his rookie season, against the Indianapolis Colts at home in the playoffs. Half first half, Gabriel Davis had everything under control. It's when we were calling him Toe Tap Davis or Sideline Davis, any any sort of nickname because his production was there in those big moments. So now that you got a little bit of a, a clear path with no Cole Beasley and no Emmanuel Sanders kind of taking away your opportunities of production, you're healthy. You obviously have a lot of expectations for yourself. He's going to step up very nicely and He's already got the chemistry with Josh Allen and has since day one. And he is a guy that also works on his craft constantly. Something that we see out of 14. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And I think one, obviously learning with Stefan Diggs and obviously Cole Beasley for a year and obviously just Josh Allen and this coaching staff will help Gabe Davis. And there's some expectations for Gabe Davis. This is the first time in his career. He will have legit expectations, right? Like, he hasn't had legit expectations. Rookie year, he was a fourth-round pick. Last year, you still had Cole Beasley. You brought in Emmanuel Sanders. like, And then you had Dawson Knox's breakout year. So there was less expectations. Coming off that playoff game, expectations are are pretty high for Gabe Davis, which could be a good thing. I think he has a very productive year. Jim, I agree. We don't this, The depth at the outside position is very, I wouldn't say concerning, because there's not a lot of concerning things on this team outside of maybe injuries. I think the problem with, the depth is that there's not a lot of proven depth. Like there's no like Marquez Stevenson didn't really play that much rookie year. Jake Kumro is more of a special teams player. He can go up and get it. I think what you see is them running more two tight end sets to li- limit the amount of outside receivers you have to use with OJ Howard and Dawson Knox. And then you got James Cook, another weapon. 
I want to I want to see this lone wolf comment. I think I'm in the minority, but I don't think McKenzie does much more for this offense than what he's already done. Anthony, what are your thoughts on that? Well, like I, I kind of said something similar to that, but let's also not forget that when Isaiah McKenzie has been asked to do, to do more, that he has done more. Let's let's talk about game two against the Patriots in the regular season last year. Yeah. Uh, he had over 100 yards receiving, I believe one or maybe two touchdowns, but it's just pressure creates diamonds, right? The toughest situations will determine, hey, how badly do you want it? You're competing to have the slot receiver role for this team. Cole Beasley is gone. Cole Beasley had proven success with Josh Allen. So that might make him want to step up a little bit more, bringing in a guy like Jamison Crowder, who is obviously good. We might see him be even better. We're going to find out. It creates that level of competition that any guy in the National Football League truly needs is, is to have that kind of competition. So I just, it's tough to say that he's not going to do more. I just don't know if there's necessarily room for the production to do more. You know what I'm saying? There's only so much, so many yeah. yards that we can have per game. There's, yeah, there's only so many mouths you can feed. I mean, you know, you could have Josh throw seven touchdowns in the first quarter and second quarter and third quarter and fourth, and I'd be okay with it. But, you know, we haven't seen that happen yet. That's not how it works. I I, I think me and Z-Bot from Buffalo Fanatics, like about a month ago on the, on the show, we broke down Isaiah McKenzie and talked about how he doesn't get enough targets, all that stuff, because like you said, when he is asked to do stuff and when he's given targets and when he gets receptions, he is super productive, like crazy productive. Go on uh, Football Reference or Stat News. Go one of those two websites and see how productive he is when he gets legit targets. It's unreal. I agree. The, the lack of targets makes sense because of how many mouths you can feed, but I bet I think the Bills actually use him more than people think. I think they will try to have a couple Isaiah McKenzie plays in there. Like just like the name Isaiah McKenzie plays in there because I think you have a little to. toss pass that they do yeah, when they you, send him in motion. I love that. Yeah, I think you have to get him in, involved because when he's in space against man to man coverage, and I think he yeah. excels against man to man coverage, his slot, uh, not a slot, his against zone schemes, he's a little, little up and down with that because he's more of just a guy because he, he can outrun people. But I think him in space is just deadly. So why not try to get him in space more? I think that's exactly what you have to do. So I would love Isaiah McKenzie to get more reps. And I think he does. Will be every week? No. But I think we'll see more of Isaiah McKenzie this year than we did the last couple of years. Uh, see Davis doing them squats. Let's go. I'm calling eight touchdowns and 800 plus yards. I like that sound of that. 800 plus yards. Like who said? Was it Lone Wolf or was it Jim up there? Who said that? 800, Lone minimum, Wolf. Lone yeah. Wolf, 800 minimum yards. 800 has to be the minimum, in my opinion. So anything above 800 is exactly like I want. James Cook is the interesting thing here because they could, Brandon Bean said they could line him up outside. Obviously, they also use him as a third-round running back and as a running back, but they could line him up outside. I'm excited to see what the Bills get out of James Cook. It's it's going to be fascinating. And Brad's coming in here. What are your thoughts on Tavon Austin? Anthony, what are your thoughts on Tavon Austin? Well, first of all, Brad, good to see you, buddy. Thanks for stopping in here. Uh, Tavon Austin is going to bring competition, but I think it might be just a little bit too little, too late for Tavon Austin to really kind of come onto a team that's already had what they've had going for him. And there's really, like we said, how many miles to feed. There's only so many roster spots. And we have to have a ton of roster spots available for our defensive line alone. So you can't have that oh, many receivers yeah. in the room. I'm not even sure if he makes the team by regular season. But I do think – he can play. I just think for what this team has, there's just too much for him to really fit on it. What do you think, Peter? The biggest thing where I think what Tavon Austin could excel on this team is if 
They don't trust anybody to do punt returns and kick returns, right? Like we saw Micah Hyde last year with the punt returns. Do we really want to walk out or trot out Micah Hyde in a punt return? Because obviously half the time he fair catches it. But like, God forbid he takes one back or like 10 yards and, and gets injured on a punt return. Like that's like, you know, you don't want that. Marquez Stevenson was very up and down. And Isaiah McKenzie kind of struggled in the kick return, punt return game, holding onto the ball. If Tavon Austin can show that he can be a legit punt return and kick return, and he hasn't done it in a couple of years, but he has the speed, and he did it a couple of years ago, then he makes the team. As a true wide receiver, Anthony, he doesn't make the team. Like no. as a true just wide receiver, not going to win. There's no injury. I don't think he makes the team. But like training camp rolls around, and he excels as a special teams player in a kick return and a punt return game and nobody else really excels, and they don't want to walk Micah Hyde out there, then someone like uh, Marquez Stevenson could be on the chopping block because that's where Marquez Stevenson could lose his role in this team. But it also could just be added competition, which you need competition in football. Yeah, and um, he's a veteran presence too. The guy can play. Like, we've seen yeah, him play well, you know. He's like the human highlight, bro. When he was in, uh, he was a first-round pick too when he was drafted, he was right? A top, he was a top-ten pick. That's unreal. That Tavon Austin. Was he was pretty player. nasty with the Rams oh. and some of the return plays. He was he was nasty at West Virginia. Just go on YouTube and just watch his West Virginia highlights. You just be like, holy cow, this guy should have been the greatest receiver to walk on earth. Um, yeah, Brad. I think the punt returning. It's a returning situation with the Bills. If Tavon Austin can show he can be a legit returner, then he's on this roster. If he can't, or he they just they think they have better options than practice squad, or they cut him. So it's simple with that with Tavon Austin. I wouldn't really. We'll sleep over the Tavon Austin. I think that will work itself out uh, pretty easily. Moving on back to the defensive side of the ball as we continue down our headlines list. Guys, make sure you drop a like, comment, all that fun stuff. It's I appreciate it. What should our expectations be for Ed Oliver in year four after the Bills just picked up his fifth-year option? <sighs> this is tough, right, because Ed Oliver has played very, very well year like i mean like he's played he played very well last year and he's improved year after year he's been solid but he's never kind of taken that next step right but now you're playing with a two-time super bowl champ you know at defensive end you're also playing next to guys who were there uh jordan phillips and shaq lawson so i just wonder okay is it is is the lack of continuity because he played next to different guys year in and year out and like like it is with the offensive line playing next to the same guy year after year has its benefits because you are used to that guy's cadence the way that he moves the way that you guys get off the ball with one another so I wonder if that's going to slow him down but then I think about of course like I just said bringing in who we are bringing in I think that he's going to improve um it does obviously it's it makes things different not playing next to star and, and not playing next to a guy like Harrison Phillips. But then you bring in Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, obviously. So yeah. I think that Ed Oliver is going to maybe take another step because, of course, he's going to want to get paid as well. And this is a team where we're kind of already getting ourselves our core players that you got to really prove yourself if you really want to get paid out on this team because we can't give guaranteed money to just anybody. But what are your thoughts? How do you think he's going to play? I think the biggest thing for I think you had the uh, you were right with the thing he was he's been solid like if, if you look at his stat line like five sacks three sacks four sacks like be tackled that's obviously not he's not Aaron Donald and nobody's Aaron Donald right the biggest thing for Ed Oliver he in my opinion in his 
This is his fourth year in Buffalo, and they picked up his fifth year option. So they believe in him. They, if you pick, if you pick up a first round pick, fifth year option doesn't mean you want him long term, but you believe in him for the next two years. This roster, or this specifically defensive line, is hands down the best defensive line he's played with, and I don't think it's even in. I don't think it's a conversation. Just if you look at the interior of the defensive line, right? He's playing with Tim Seto and Daquan Jones. I'm going to put aside Jordan Phillips because we've seen Jordan Phillips. Daquan Jones and Tim Seto are good, very good run stoppers, right? The Bills have struggled at stopping the run in the interior because Ed Oliver is not the best run stopper. That's not his expertise. But guess what? Daquan Jones and Tim Seto come in. He doesn't have to be that run stopper. And you know what it does? It takes pressure off Ed Oliver. They don't have to double team Ed Oliver anymore. And guess what? Von Miller's in Buffalo. What are you just going to not double team Von Miller or not put focus on Von Miller? You have another year for Gregory Rousseau. Bash him. Epinenta. This is the best pass rush he's played with. And this is the best co of defensive tackles he's played with. I liked Star, but Star was never on the field. Minus the COVID injuries, all that stuff. He was never on the field. I liked Harrison Phillips. But he wasn't a legit run stopper, in my opinion. Like he wasn't a legit run stopper. And then Vernon Miller, Vernon Butler was absolute garbage. So like that really didn't help at Oliver. He has two, and and you throw in Jordan Phillips now. Jordan Phillips, Tim Seto, Daquan Jones, three guys that excel at stopping the run. Have you mm-hmm. looked at Daquan Jones and Tim Seto? Some big guys. I'm a Virginia Tech football fan. I love myself some Tim Seto, former Hokie. He's a good run stopper. I think the Bills saw that they struggled with the consistency of the run. They bring in both of those guys. And now Ed Oliver has a little more space. I think Ed Oliver's going to be like, holy cow, I got a little more space. I don't have to worry about just being double teamed or just guys coming in left and right at me. I can I can get after the quarterback a little better. I bet you we see the best Ed Oliver we've seen in a while. And you know what? Last year, he had his best tackles for his, his first two years in the NFL. He combined for 11 tackles for loss. Last year, he had 10. So he's improved in everything. His sacks were his lowest since his, uh, he had four sacks last year. Mm-hmm. I think we see a better at Oliver this year. I think, we see, I, I, think, I think the people, I think, more experienced in the system, another year under his belt will always help. But I think the biggest thing for him is the people around him will help him and just create easier opportunities for him. Yeah, and you know, Shaq Rawson too is also a, a really good run stopper too. That's what he did very, very well when he was here. So it's just okay, Ed Oliver is not the biggest dude, but like it's also when you look at sometimes people look at the statistics of a deten- the defensive tackle and they kind of get it misconstrued, I should say, because you're not gonna see the the, the 13, 14 sacks or like Aaron Donald. Like Aaron Donald is truly a generational yes, defensive tackle. Never like, Aaron Donald for another like you, you're never years. gonna see a talent like Aaron Donald probably for another 20, 30 yeah, years. Exactly. But but what Ed Oliver does do well is he can create that little bit of force up the middle. He does get after the quarterback, he does get after guys. I mean, I think that we're going to see more production out of him, but it doesn't necessarily come in the stats. It comes in how are you moving the quarterback in the pocket? Are you moving him to the point where he's running into a guy like Vaughn Miller, running into a guy like Shaq Lawson, Greg Roussel? So as long as he does his job, which I think year in and year out at Oliver is consistently doing better, I think that uh, you know we're going to see probably, like you just said, the best at Oliver that we've seen in his career. 
I agree. Dave Dave Myers, founder of Built in Buffalo. The reason me and Anthony are sitting here talking about the Bills, so appreciate you, Dave. He was on last week, and I I pulled him out of retirement. Bills Ology is back in about a week or so with uh with the Keem. So I pulled him out of retirement. I agree with you, Great Dave. Show, by the way. Oh, Bills Ology. I've I've not seen it with both of them yet. I've not seen it. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching myself. I'm, I'm excited. I heard there's a lot of bells and whistles. That <laughs> Dave Myers. He told me there's a lot of bells and whistles. So. Excited to see what that has to bring. Uh, but yeah, Shaq Lawson, best run stopper when he was here. He's a very good run stopper. So I think that, once again, that helps. Takes less pressure off Ed Albert. It's just a correlation. When you have a ton of talent on your team, the, the other players just get better because there's less focus on them. Uh, Izzy, I agree. Phillips isn't great against the run. That's why he kind of, when I started talking about Tim Settle and Daquan Jones, I said, hey, let's put Jordan Phillips at the side for a second because Daquan Jones and Tim Settle is... Is that's their expertise? Well, Jordan Phillips is like nine and a half sacks last time he was here, and Joseph coming in. Yeah, I guess you're on your lunch break, Joe. That's that's something. But no, I appreciate you, appreciate you tuning in, my man. I appreciate Brad tuning. In. I have not seen Brad or Joe in here before, so I appreciate. It. And Jenna's coming in. She said also he had to switch positions in 2020. Yeah, he kind of. Oh, is he the one tech, or he's the one tech now? I believe he's the one tech now. He. He was – I'm getting the terminology right. Izzy's going to come in here and correct me in about two seconds, which I appreciate. But, yeah, he did change positions in the sense. So I appreciate you coming in, Jenna. Thank you. Um, The thing with Groot, we haven't used Groot inside. Obviously, he's talking about Gregory Rousseau. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. I don't know if I want to put Gregory Rousseau. I think you can. I think you can mix and match because the Bills have so much versatility on the defensive line and so much depth. I don't know how much I'm a fan of doing that. What are your thoughts on that, Anthony? I, I think that you got to keep it nice and simple for Greg Rousseau, who is coming into his second year, and now he's being asked to be more than likely the defensive end number two opposite of Vaughn Miller. I think that he's he's not a guy you really want to use inside at this moment just because – all right, because he's tall – and because he's not exactly a bulky guy, he's obviously a big guy, but that's something you want more on the outside. A guy like Julius Peppers, you know, how the way they get the field and that extension, you want to kind of get them hands up on the outside. So I think that Groot, we, we obviously want to see what he can do, changing positions coming out of Miami. He was a receiver before, and then he turned into defensive end, took a year off due to COVID. So, of course, we haven't seen everything that he could do, but I think you keep it simple with him, keep his development the same, and keep his production only improving because that's what's most important for this Buffalo Bills team. Exactly, exactly. And like you said, like he's gonna be that second edge rusher. Like there's a little more, a little more emphasis on Gregory Rousseau this year. Is you're right, I flipped him. He is not the one tech, he's the three tech. I flipped him. I flipped my terminology. I appreciate you coming in. I knew he was gonna come in, but he took doubles as if he was a one tech, which is what he's not. Is is coming in. He the big fat guys are the that's what it is, not me. Said are the those are the one tech guys. So that's Tim Seto and Daquan Jones. So I flipped my absolute terminology here. And yeah, so I think Ed Oliver is not that one tech type of guy. He's the three tech D tackle. So perfect, but he took doubles as one tech. So he he was kind of out of position if you wanna if you wanna say it. Now he goes back to kind of his normal position because you have Daquan Jones and um Tim Settle. Michael, I agree. I think you could use Gregory Rousseau inside, but like where do you put him inside? Right? Like there's not a lot of like wiggle room here, right? You could move people around and create a ton of different looks on the defensive line. 
But I think Greg Rousseau is going to start out as that second edge rusher. Like you said, you can, you can move him in if you want. But you brought in Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, to be those guys, big enforcers up the middle. And you have Ed Oliver. And you brought back Jordan Phillips. Like, you can move Rousseau, but then you're taking another guy's bread and butter off the field. You know what I mean? I think Greg Rousseau could excel as a pass rusher because I think he has all the tangibles to be a pass rusher. You, you agree with that, Anthony? Yeah, I mean, you know, and he makes a good point because of the way he that he was used yeah. at the exactly. you know, at the U. But it's right now where where, where he fits best on this team, exactly. I think, and and for what we have available, like like you just said, with with the defensive tackles that we brought in. We did that so we can make the job for a guy like Ed Oliver easier. So he's not so much the inside. The, as we're talking, the, the the one tech is is the big guy. You know what I mean? So the big guy and the big uh, guy. Izzy calls him a big fat bastard. I love that. Not my words. Izzy's words. So the big guy. The big, the guy, big guy. The the guys that eat wings five times a week. Yes, the big. Guy. You should have seen what Izzy was talking about last week on the almost like me. You eat wings five times a week. Three times a week. Oh. I, I chicken wings. I enjoy chicken wing. Probably my favorite food. So I probably enjoy it more than I probably should. Um, sticking with the defensive line, moving down their headline list or topic list. Can Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips have an immediate impact on this team? We'll start with Shaq Lawson. Anthony, what are your thoughts on Shaq Lawson? His immediate impact. Shaq Lawson is going to step into this role, whatever he's asked to do with ease, because I'm going to tell you what, Shaq Lawson played his best football in his final year in Buffalo, and it was unfortunate to see him get paid by, I think it was Miami, and then ultimately not doing much with them, going to the Jets, getting cut, and ultimately coming back to us. I think that he, there's not a ton of pressure for Shaq Lawson to be anything more than what he is, so I think that already sets him up for success at that moment to – to, to do his job well and to do what he does best, and that's set the edge against the run. And that's something he did very well in Buffalo. Now he's coming back with the same head coach where he was already most successful, uh, same defensive scheme, obviously. Not much has probably changed. I expect Shaq Lawson to really step into that role and, hell, might even play even better than when we saw because of look, look who's playing opposite of him. A guy like Vaughn Miller really – commands offenses to build a game plan around that force of a pass rush. So I think, yeah, Shaq Lawson is going to maybe not 10 sacks, but Shaq Lawson is definitely going to step in and have a success right from the jump. I agree. Like you said, Shaq Lawson's best year was the 2019 year with the Bills. He had six and a half sacks. That was his best total. And his previous best total with Buffalo was four. Got paid, went to Miami, only had four, and then was the Jets this past year. Wasn't very productive, only one sack. And there, like you said, there's not a lot of pressure on Shaq Lawson. There's not a lot of pressure. The thing is, he is coming in, in my opinion, probably to be that fifth edge rusher. Like, he is that fifth edge rusher. He could move up the depth chart. But you have Von Miller, you have Rousseau. I think Boogie Basham is going to be an absolute stud. I'm very high on Boogie Basham. And then mm-hmm. you have A.J. Abinetta, who's in a huge year for A.J. Abinetta in his year three, where it's put up or shut up time for A.J. Abinetta. Like, this is a big year. So that could motivate him to be productive. I think Shaq Lawson's going to be used very – Interestingly, I don't think he's going to ha- – I think he might be productive in the sense that you mentioned this before. I think that was what we were talking about the D-tackles. Like productive but not stat sheet stuffers, mm-hmm. right? Do you, I feel like Shaq Lawson might be that this year. Might have like the good PFF grade, the good pressures, the good run grade. But with the lack of – I think lack of reps I think he's going to get and the, probably the lack of pass rush attempts he's going to get because I think they'll try to use him more on run 
downs. Like we're second and eight when the teams are going to run the ball because that's his bread and butter. So I think Shaq Lawson could be very productive this year. Will he post seven, eight sacks? I don't know, but that doesn't, I hate when people say like, that doesn't mean he wasn't a good player or doesn't have a good year. He could fit the role of a run stuffer and be that guy. It doesn't mean he's not having a bad year. So the stats might not be there, but I think Shaq Lawson, as your fifth edge rusher at this point, stuff changes. But in my opinion, he's the fifth. You agree? Would you agree he's the fifth edge rusher at this point going into training camp? I think going into training camp, yes, because you're Which like, you I, like you know, obviously that could change. It depends how, I mean, a guy like AJ Epinesa maybe doesn't play well or Boogie, which I don't think so. I'm high on Boogie too, but um, I think obviously the way that, the, the Bills are set the tone is Von Miller is obviously number one. Yeah, oh, yeah, there's no way around that. But then you want to take the guys that have been there, the guys that have been a part of the, the, the game plan for a couple years now. Um, and, of course, with A.J. Epinesa, too, it's interesting because there was so much hype around him going into the start of the regular season last year. Sean McDermott came out saying, you're seeing the the – you know – the the fruits of his labor was paying off was I think the term that he used, yeah. but we didn't see too much out of him and, and it became very inconsistent. So I think there's an opportunity to move up to maybe four. I don't think you're necessarily going to get past two or three. Um, but I do think, like I said, it's not going to be a statistical production type thing, but you know, tackles, ta- maybe some tackles for a loss, Hell, stopping a guy on fourth and one at the line of scrimmage, even if it's not a loss of yardage, is is something that we need a guy to do. So that's what I think he's going to do well. Is he's going to he's going to have a non statistical productive year? Yes. Is he's coming in? Shaq says to edge very well against the run. This scheme is his scheme. Like we said, he his best year was twenty nineteen under this exact scheme. So he came back. Michael's coming in. I want to do a little quick math on our hands to see how many D line, Anthony, you're ready to count. How many D line we're keeping on the team. So ready? We're going to, we got Rousseau. That's one. You you count. And tell me if I, if I miss somebody Rousseau, we got Basham, Shaq Lawson, Von Miller, and Penenza. So I'm going to stop there with the edge rusher. So that's five. And then we got Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips and Tim Settle. Tim Settle. So we got nine. at the moment nine. I'm trying to think too. Do they want to keep a six edge rusher or a fifth D tackle in the sense of Eli Anku or Brandon Bryant? I'm I'm a fan of Eli Anku. Yeah, and I think you that Sean McDermott. I think that he likes to keep more defensive tackles than anything. I think having five edge rushers is enough. Um, I think that it definitely be yeah. One Mike Love would be probably the sixth edge rusher. Yeah, so I could see I could see uh, Eli being the guy too, which obviously we haven't seen too much, but I I could see it's just keeping nine as well. Nine is already pretty solid amount, but if we're going to keep a tenth, I definitely think it's Anku. uh, Eli Anku. And I'm not against them keeping ten. I think Eli Anku. Yeah. Be a very productive player for this Bills, and it gives you Get depth. that depth, baby. Yeah, so t- I say ten, and I agree. I think it'd be nine or ten, and as he's coming down saying nine, I think it could be nine or ten. Um, Lone Wolf coming in, we'll have to see how much playing time Shaq gets, considering the development they're trying to get from Boogie and AJ. I think it's not even the development; it's just the amount of players you have that are productive or that can be productive. That's just, it's just a lot of guys. You have a lot of good players on this team. That's why they have the best odds to win the Super Bowl. They have a lot. It's pretty simple. They have a lot of good players on this team. So, yeah, that's how we're going to do it. Well, this is might be Shaq's last chance, right? He kind of busted in Miami, wasn't super productive. Last year wasn't productive with the Jets. 
AJ, this might be his last chance in Buffalo, which could be good things. Motivation is good for some players. Sometimes it's not. But motivation could be a good thing because we could see AJ Ampanetta kind of flourish, kind of flourish into that role of productive. Because AJ Ampanetta last year was just a head case to think about because there are some games he was so productive with the pressures and all that stuff. And there were some games he was just non. Some games he hit people really, really like, effing hard too. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, yeah, did he even play in some games it felt like? But some games, like, you go after the statue and like, people are tweeting his pressure. Injury like, oh, too. They would say that there was some injury stuff going on and, too, you know. First first to second year, like his weight like fluctuated, like they wanted him to be heavier, and then it just it just messed him all up. Big year for AJ Ampanenza. Big year for AJ Ampanenza. Izzy's coming to a nine. He likes Anku. We both, I think Anku's probably that 50 tackle. Do they activate five DNs on game day? Ooh, that's, that's a tough fun. question. That's fun. Um, yes. Yeah. Probably, especially especially right now in the absence of Tredavious White, if he's not going to be there, you want to make sure that you have fresh legs on that field as much as possible. And that's something that's beautiful about the depth that we have at the defensive line is how deep in the games I think we could go. Me and uh, me and Caleb were actually talking on the sit down about how it's funny. You almost have such depth. You could just have a start line for each game. You know what I mean? Different lines each game. But of course course yeah to be something like hockey but i think you got to activate five defensive end on game day and that's kind of where you know that's where that's where the game gets really tough is you, you can't bring everybody even if you have a lot of people you can't bring everybody you can bring 53 yeah like izzy's right like against heavy run teams yeah because shaq lawson gives you that edge rusher presence as a run stopper so i think that's very interesting quickly we'll stay with this topic before we get to our final topic Appreciate everyone comment down below, guys. I'll, as always, Buffalo Blitz every Wednesday right here in built-in Buffalo Network, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. But Jordan Phillips, quickly. Jordan Phillips had his best productive year, like Shaq Lawson. So they had like it was kind of like the same thing. They both went back to their most production year. Shaq, and it was in 2019. 2019, he had nine and a half sacks in his last two years after he got paid by Arizona. He had a combined five sacks. He had one, he's had one good year in the NFL. If you look at his stat line from 2015 to 2021, he's had one good year. What do you what are your expectations for Jordan Phillips this year? So I always like Jordan Phillips just because like I, I, I love talking about this game, right? The Jacksonville Jaguars in 2018, Josh Allen's rookie year, you know, Shaq Lawson and Leonard Fournette fight. But you got you got Jordan Phillips on the field getting everybody in Bill's Mafia going, and he was kind of like growing into a man of the people, and he started to kind of get a little bit of that. Maybe some guys only play good in Buffalo, kind of like how there were some guys that only played good in New England. But I think Jordan Phillips, okay, now it's kind of tough because you're competing with a guy like Tim Settle, who I think it really has some serious upside. Daquan Jones even, but I think Tim Settle's got a ton of upside. So – Again, it's it's the mouths to feed. How much production can you really get? All that matters is when you are on the football field, can you do your job? And again, I think that Jordan Phillips playing with such a wonderful defense like the Buffalo Bills have, where he's already had success. He's played alongside guys like Shaq Lawson and, and guys like Trey. He's been there. You know what I'm saying? So, so I'd like to see him have, again, it doesn't need to be statistical production, but just if you're on the field on third or fourth down, are you going to come in and make some, make an impact? But 
you know, he had has a really good energy on the field, and it's something that is contagious in the locker room. So even that, just what is your presence on this team overall? Yeah. And I always liked what his presence was with, with his tenure with the Buffalo Bills before. Like his, like his is talking about. He embraced Bills Mafia, embraced the fans, he embraced himself, and it was great. I think the thing with Jordan Phillips, which is good for him and Beth, like he's not a good run stopper, right? But he's not coming in to be asked to be a run stopper. That's exactly what Tim Settle and Daquan Jones is. Their expertise are run stopping. For Jordan Phillips, he's going to be asked to be more of a pass rusher, which will complement him and make it less pressure on him. I think Jordan Phillips as that fourth D tackle, right? Like Ed Oliver and him are the two kind of like edge rush D tackles. And then Daquan Jones and Tim Settle are the two run stopper D tackles. You have a lot of depth, which I don't think we've had this good of an interior defensive line in a couple of years because we were rolling out Quentin Jefferson. We were rolling out Vernon Butler. Star was up and down. Harrison Phillips is not a great edge uh, run stopper. So I think, like Izzy saying, you'll see Phillips on third and long get after the quarterback. Like in passing downs, like, like Shaq Lawson has a specific role in run play downs, rushing downs, right? That's where Shaq Lawson will excel at. Jordan Phillips has a specific, specific role passing downs. How awesome is it to have guys that are productive, but we're so good everywhere that we just have guys that just do certain roles. Like most teams don't have that luxury. Like Jordan Phillips would like Arizona. He had to do so much because they're, they're not as deep at the D line position. The bills are. So I think that's just helps the team. I think they'll have productive years. Lone Wolf. I don't agree. I know you're not saying you agree with this, but a lot of people are saying cleanup sacks. I'm going to put this out there. Cleanup sacks don't exist. Uh, clean up. Am I a sack's a sack. Fair, that's a sack. fair point, right? You there. got after the quarterback, right? Well, doesn't who cares how you got to the quarterback, right? Like, like, oh, some guy fell down, right? I'm not gonna be like, you know what? He fell down. Let's not count the sack, right? Look, there's a difference between like obviously there's how you rank edge rushers and everything, like elite edge rushers compared to non-elite edge rushers, but a sack's a sack. I don't care. Like, there's exactly. no what's a like Anthony, what the heck's a cleanup sack? Like, so like, it, I, I get it is but like if you explain to me like all in the field, what is a cleanup sack? I, I guess I guess a cleanup sack would be you know the guy's like falling over and then you kind of just fall on top of him or like he's like struggling and his knees close to being down and then you kind of just finish the job. But no, you made a fair point that there really is no such thing because look how many times we've seen Tom Brady avoid being sacked in his yeah. career. As much as I hate to talk, That's look that. at Patrick Mahomes extending plays. Josh getting Allen. Josh Allen. I mean, it's right there that there is no such thing. If you finish the job, you finish the job. It doesn't matter if, if somebody else deserved the credit for knocking him first. He's the guy that finished yeah. the job. So he does his job. But yeah. I know I know what Lone Wolf is talking about, too. I kind of know what you're I saying. I get the concept but, behind it. I get but, the concept behind but it. But he did his job. That's I guess that's the way to say it. He's, he did his job. You the know biggest I mean? thing with Jordan Phillips, he's coming in to be a specific Put role. his hands up. I don't want to sack him. I don't want to yeah. get a clean up sack. <laughs> that's what you have to do against Tom Brady. <laughs> but like Jordan Phillips is coming in to be a specific role. Like he's going to be that D-tackle that's on passing downs because his role is getting after the quarterback. He's not a great run stopper, which is good, which is fine. You don't – don't like Arizona may, try to make him something he's not. The Bills won't do that, and they won't do that with Shaq Austin. So I think um, <laughs> he wish Jerry got some cleanup sacks. We all wish Jerry got some more sacks. We all wish the D-line got more sacks last year. So I think we see a, a step in the right direction in the sack total, or at least the pressure total. End our show. And, Anthony, I appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate it. Filling nice. in for Ryan Talbot. 
probably should have put Ryan Talbot next to your name just to, just to make just to confuse people. But um, heading into camp, we'll end the show with this, guys. And comment section is open as always. Heading into camp, who is one player that you still have concerns about? It could be Tremaine Edmonds. Tremaine, Tremaine Edmonds. Edmonds. That's ah, all I'm going to say. That's just it's just it's because. <laughs> Because he's in a point where, believe me, because I've thought about this, you know what I mean? But it's it's at a point not where, it's not where do I think he can, it's okay. I think he can get the job done, but I worry if he will get the job done. I've talked about it year after year. You want to talk about with, about a guy with cleanup statistics? I mean, he's tackling guys seven yards down the field, and as a run-stopping linebacker, he's not good in pass coverage, obviously. But he's supposed to be there to stop the run, supposed to be there to, to, to make tackles. And, yes, he does make tackles, but I want to see him step up and not miss tackles because I'll tell you what, sometimes Tremaine Edmonds was a liability. Yes, at times Matt Milano was also a liability, but Tremaine Edmonds is just my biggest concern because – we he's also thinking about getting paid. You know what I mean? That that yes. in the mindset, alongside with you're not getting a commitment from the Buffalo Bills at this point, and for a reason, because I'm sure those questions and concerns possibly exist in the front office as well. But that in the forefront of a player's mind, it makes me wonder. Now, this could be a good thing. This could also make him prove me wrong, which I fully hope he does. And I would love nothing more than Tremaine Edmonds to shut my ass up. So that's that's kind of the guy who I'm looking at most. What about you, Peter? Um, I think it's maybe more of a positional group, in my opinion. And I think it's – I was going back and forth. I think the positional group would be the interior of the O-line. Not because I have concerns, like, overall, like, because I think Ryan Bates could be very is very good, and I think Saffold – very good, but this is a full year of Ryan Bates, right? We've never seen a full year of Ryan Bates. We've seen him as they finally gave him a chance last year towards the second half of the year, be very productive and be very good right guard, and then obviously he got that contract, and I think Ryan Bates is very good. You also bring in Roger Saffold to be your left guard. I just think the depth there isn't anything crazy. I think like David Questenberry is not bad, but he inconsistent all that fun stuff. I think the depth of the guard and maybe the Age on Roger Saffield, the injury history, I, I think it's just a little bit of a concerning in the sense that the Bills need a consistent enough O-line play. And I think I love Deion Dawkins. I like Mitch Morse. And I think Spencer Brown could be a very good right tackle in this league. And I think he was very good. Obviously, he had some rookie growing pains last year. I think it's just the interior of the O-line. I really wish they added another interior O-line in the draft in either day two or day three. And I like the Terrell Bernard pick, I think. But they, I think they could have went. Uh, guard at that pick and had a third guard and have great depth and maybe a replacement for Roger Saffold because he's only on a one-year contract. Is it a crazy, crazy concern? Like I'm up and I don't time thinking about it. No, but I think the interior of the O-line, maybe the left guard is just a tad concerning. Um, So yeah, I think Tremaine Edmonds, I, I'm bigger Tremaine Edmonds fan. I know Dave's a huge Tremaine Edmonds guy. I like Tremaine Edmonds. I know, but... believe me, believe me. But I just I just want to see more out of him. Oh, I want to see I want to see him really grow into because that kid has so much potential. So I, much potential. I know I mentioned this throughout the show, but the, I think the development, or I think the additions on the D-line, especially the run defense, will help Tremaine Edmonds. There's not going to be running backs just going through the defensive line untouched. Like, it's just not going to happen, which helps Tremaine Evans also help Matt Milano. So I think everything's a correlation effect. So your concerns a little bit about Tremaine Evans, a lot of Bills Mafia is, and mine's a little bit about the interior of the offensive line because I just, I just, I'm up and down with the offensive line. 
just it's always been up and down under Josh Allen. It's always been up and down. We saw the Jacksonville game, but I think Ryan Bates is that guy. I really do. I'm not saying Ryan Bates is not that guy. That's not where I'm getting at here. I just think the lack of depth there is kind of concerning, in my opinion. But who knows? Hopefully, I'm wrong, and hopefully, Anthony's wrong about Tremaine Evans because I want to be wrong. And I think you want to be wrong too. I want to be. I terribly want to be wrong. Believe me, and I'll be the first one to admit it. So. With that being said, that's it for the Buffalo Blitz. Anthony, I appreciate you coming in. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter? And where can everyone watch your show? All right. So, of course, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Buffalo Sauce God. That's B U F F A L L S A U C E G O D, Buffalo Sauce God. Of course, I'm live here on the Built in Buffalo Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter Friday nights at 7 p.m. in the sit down. We take fan questions this Friday, by the way, really wanted to give a quick shout out. I got a super fan, John Ginty, who I'm coming to interview for about the first 30 to 45 minutes of the show, which will be really fun. I'm looking forward to hearing. So this guy goes back before K-Gun. So, I mean, like, that's what I want to really hear some stuff about. So if you're one of the older Bills fans, especially, you're not going to want to miss. But, Peter, I appreciate you having me on tonight. Of course, man. Is Caleb back, is Caleb back on Friday or is Caleb? I think so. Uh, he had some, he had some issues with his voice. Oh, damn, that's horrible. Sounded like Marlon Brando on the phone. <laughs> Hopefully he's feeling better. Hopefully Kayla's back on Friday next week, guys. One, like last week I said, Ryan Tabo was coming on. So I'm not a liar. I'm not a liar. Stuff, stuff changes with guests. You guys know that. Um, if you guys have TikTok and you're from the Buffalo area, sup Jeff from TikTok. He has over 800,000 followers. On TikTok, he's one of the best Buffalo chefs. We're having him on. We're doing something different. I know we're really analytically based. We're all football knowledge, but I'm having a Buffalo chef on next week. Over 800,000 followers on TikTok, so I'm excited for that. It's something. It's something that um. It's something that's a little different. It's something that is a little different. Lone Wolf sauces. He's on YouTube every Friday. Sit down every Friday. Friday. YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Where you get Get this is where you get. Anthony and the sit down. But next week we have Shop Chef coming on. Check him out on TikTok. Over 800,000 followers on TikTok, which is unreal. So he's going crazy with, and he's just a great chef. So something that's different and something that I wanted to be a little unique for that. But once again, guys, I appreciate everyone that is liked, that's commented, that's joined on Facebook, that's joined on YouTube, that's joined on Twitter. As always, check out builtinbuffalonews.com. Great articles, basically daily. I write for them. We have a lot of great writers. Everything built in Buffalo. Check it out. The season's coming. You don't want to miss a minute of the content we're bringing with you. Live shows, with tweets, with the Instagram posts, all that fun stuff. I'll be back next week. Follow me on Twitter right down there. I'm Dr. Z, a corner to Brian for Breaking Tables. Let's see how long this name lasts. But Dr. Z, you can follow me. <laughs> it's just weird saying it every time. DBSC Peter on Twitter. I will follow you guys back, no doubt. And next week, we'll be back Wednesday, 8 p.m. on the Built to Buffalo Network. As always, Anthony, once again, man, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, hopefully you enjoy your show. I'll tune in, guys. Sit down. 7 p.m. 7, 7 p.m., man. Go Bills. 7 p.m. on the Built in Buffalo Network. As always, this was the Buffalo Blitz. I will see you guys next week, Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. As always, once again, thank you.